If you have your Bibles, I'm not going to read the whole thing because I'm going to go through it and teach it. But if you would like to turn your Bibles, kind of open them up in the middle, unless you just click it open, we're going to be studying Psalm 1. Psalm 1. There are 150 Psalms, and there's a big pile of them. This one only has six verses. And, you know, with the new year, everyone's doing new things, right? People are getting on diets. They're, you know, working to save money and try different things. It's called the New Year's Resolution. So one of the things with the New Year's Resolution is you want to take a bite-sized piece of something, right? Don't, like, try to run a marathon your first day. Don't bite off more than you can chew. This is a bite-sized psalm. And we're going to be studying the blessed person. The Bible says blessed is the man, but it's really a man or a woman. So anyway, let's get started. So uh, before you start something also, it's good to take some stock and reflect. And this new year, it's a blessing. New years are always a blessing. Starts are always a blessing. But it's nice to come to the house of God and spend a little time and reflect on last year and reflect on the situation before we go forward. So, and Christians are thinkers as we will look in the word of God and find out. So, the first thing, we want to look at three things. So, the dedication of the blessed person, the delight of the blessed person, and ultimately, where you're going. The destination of the blessed person. This person said, today I saw two people jogging outside my window. You know how New Year's is, right? Everyone's doing new things. And said, person said, I saw two people jogging outside my window and it really motivated me to go close the window. <laughs> Some people, man, take, keep your motivation to yourself, right? I remember I was in Washington State and I saw people, this was, you know, it was cold and wet and and this person was outside, like, jogging. I'm like, what are you thinking? I don't know, but there's a lot of people that do that. I guess, I guess you must get used to it. So the first thing, Psalm 1, is the dedication. The dedication of the blessed person. And this dedication, it kind of gets out of, out of order, but the dedication comes from their delight. Delight is in verse 2, but we're going to start with verse 1. It gives the outcome of their delight. So let's look at verse 1, the dedication of the blessed person. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. First thing we find out in verse 1, and this should be good news, is it says the blessed man, which just means person. It doesn't have to, you don't have to be a superstar. You don't have to have a million followers on, uh, I guess, Facebook or Twitter. You don't have to be a millionaire. You don't have to be a super athlete or an NFL star. This is an offering. The state of being a blessed person is offered to one and all, to man and woman, to young and old and everybody in between. It's offered to you if you're forgotten by society, if you're downtrodden or looked down upon. God said it's offered to anyone. The word blessed means to be happy or to be content. And you know what? God gives that promise to all. There, there's something about God's promises. And in the New Testament, the greatest promise that we 
read about is the promise of salvation. And it's a universal promise. And God's promise, God's promises, he might have different people selected to do different jobs, but God's promises are wide open to all of us. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10 and verses 12 and 13, for there's no difference between the Jew and the Gentile. That's everybody else. That's you and me, the Gentile. Or excuse me, and the Greek. That's you and me. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's all inclusive. When uh, a couple years ago, I was very fortunate. My parents invited us to go to Cancun in Mexico. And we stayed at this place, which was called All Inclusive. You ever been to a resort like that? They give you a little wristband and you don't have to carry any money around. You have this little wristband on and it basically says, eat what you want, when you want. They had a sushi restaurant. They had fancy restaurants. As much sushi as you can eat. They made espressos, we found out. And so it was just all inclusive. Because of that wristband, you just walked around and ate. I mean, it was in Mexico, right? So Jesus cooked me a cheeseburger. I mean, literally, but his name was Jesus. But, but it, was, it was a blessing, and it was all included with that wristband. You know, the real blessing of the blessed person, the blessing of Abraham was Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ makes his promises for anyone to be blessed. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to wear a tie. Uh, uh, the Bible says, the Lord is not slack in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9 concerning his promise. As some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That shows that God has a desire for all of us to experience his blessings. Didn't God, it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that, there it is, whosoever, whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So we know in the New Testament that the key to being blessed is faith in Jesus Christ. That is our blessing. He is our blessing. Well, it says that the blessed person does not do some things. This, uh, I think it was Zig Ziglar years ago. He went to this doctor and the doctor gave him a diet. He said, you can eat whatever you want. And then he gave him a list. He said, this is what you want to eat. <laughs> but it, it's, there are some things that the blessed man does not do. It says he walks not, nor standeth, nor sitteth. You see, walking is like your behavior. Standing is like where you belong. And sitteth here kind of deals with how you think. Well, the reason that he doesn't do things and go places and sit places with certain people is because people rub off on you. Have you ever heard, maybe you said this or your child said this, like, well, I was out here doing this and one thing led to another. You know, like that, uh, that comedian, he said, mini muffins. Jim Gaffigan, he said, I'll have one or 12. I mean, it just starts out, right? One little thing. So the blessed man specifically doesn't do three things. And it's, it seems like a negative, but it's really a positive. The first thing he doesn't do, he doesn't walk. He walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Now, the ungodly and people that don't know Jesus Christ, they have some advice for you. And there's all kinds of TV shows and 
They don't call themselves ungodly. You know what they call themselves? And it's not a, an ungodly term, but life coach. I'm going to help you with your life. I'm going to coach you through, right? And nobody would follow their advice, right? Except some of it has to be true. I mean, they don't... It, people on TV and different things, and, and they're the ones that express that they're not Christian. So they're not. They, they'll tell you, oh, I'm just giving you my advice. And people have... They have great followings. But they do have some good points. They have some, they, they present it, they pitch it where it sounds like, well, that, that'd be a great idea. In Proverbs, it says, though, that in four, Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 12, there's a way, there's a way that seemeth right unto a man. It seems like a good idea, but the end thereof are the ways of death. I remember Reverend Brooks taught about, or told us about, I think it was a leather jacket you can get cheap leather jackets in Korea. I mean, cheap. And I don't know if it was one he bought or one someone else bought, but he said like the arm fell off. <laughs> it wasn't made very well, right? But it seemed like a great idea to buy it at the time, right? Great deal, right? Now I, can, I guess you'd have like a half vest if one arm and one out. But how do you determine, it's a good question, if counsel is ungodly, or godly. Now we're going to rob part of verse 2, right? To, to explain this. How do I know if the preacher's word is godly or ungodly? How do I know if the, the reverend's word, the, the brother's word, how do I know if uh, what I'm doing is right? Well, one of the things you do is you meditate on God's word. You meditate on God's word. In Leviticus, they talk about this uh, two types of animals. They had to have these characteristics rather two characteristics for animals you could eat or consume physically and the two types of characteristics the animals had to have was one they had to chew the cud like a cow and the other one the characteristic of the animal in leviticus they had to have a cloven hoof that means that their hoof split into like into two right like a cow and cows are very good to eat okay well, there's a spiritual message in that, though. Because chewing the cud is what? Meditating. You know, if you chew your food, you know what you're doing? You're pulverizing it and extracting the nutrition. The vitamins are coming from extracting and... and you know, the Word of God, it's not like you just hear the preacher preach it, but you take that message, you take that and, and maybe put it on a note card or, or play it back a few times and say, God, what is that really saying to me? And a cloven hoof is to be separated. That means that you're not just going to do what everybody else does. You live a separated life. So Leviticus has a spiritual message even in the diet that the Jews had. So there was a bank worker in the Philippines, uh, like a lady teller in the Philippines. This is like in the 80s, I think. And so she suspected a bill of being counterfeit. I believe it was a $100 bill. And so she sent it back to the United States Treasury. They tested it, found out that it was, they have all these complicated high-tech machines to test to see if bills are counterfeit. Well, they found out it wasn't counterfeit. Well, Later, they tested it again, maybe some years later, and they found out, ha, 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 that lady in the Philippines, without all the high-tech equipment, was right. It was a good counterfeit. 
Well, how did the lady in the Philippines know more than the U.S. Treasury? Because all day long, she was hand-counting $100 bills. And after seeing thousands and thousands and thousands of the real thing, when one came up that just wasn't just a little bit right, it stuck out. You know, when you absorb yourself in the Word of God, you don't have to know what all the false things are. You just have to know what the truth is. And if it's not the truth, it'll stick out. One, remember that, uh, was it in Sesame Street? One of these ones is not like the other one. I don't, and you're supposed to pick it out as a kid. But that's exactly what uh, meditating in the Word of God. And you know, the thing about it is, we can also give ourselves ungodly advice. Have you ever told yourself, I'm too tired to read my Bible. I'm too tired to go to church. I'm too tired to pray. What are you doing? You're giving yourself ungodly advice. <laughs> you know, like, have you ever given yourself advice on eating a Cinnabon? Now, that's ungodly diet advice. Have you ever seen a Cinnabon? They, they, they restrict these things to food courts. So you're already, you're, already, you're already setting your diet back a century, probably, with the other stuff. But they are so good. I mean... I don't remember how I ate one because as a kid, I could power through it. But as an adult, you're like, wow, that's going to take some work, right? But I think I could make it, right? But it would set your diet back about a century, but very yummy. Ungodly diet advice, right? But we need to give ourselves, we need to recognize the advice that we're giving ourselves. That we sometimes, we don't have, you have to rebuke yourself and say, I ain't doing that. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to do the right thing. Amen. Ungodly. So we don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly advice. And the second thing, we don't stand in the way, the road, the path of sinners. When I was in the 80s, when I grew up, we would listen to what was called pop. I don't even know, do they even have pop music now? Or is that gone? Have you heard of pop culture? Well, the word pop is simply a shortening of the word popular. So I guess popular, it's different now than it was back when I was much younger. But, uh, you know, like someone tells their mom, but mom, everybody's doing it. And so when it's popular, it's what everybody's doing. And what everybody's doing isn't necessarily the right thing. It's usually what's in math called the lowest common denominator, right? It just appeals to everybody. It's just kind of wide open. And uh, Jesus, though, he had some different advice for our pathway. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, he said in verse 13, Enter ye in at the straight gate, the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way. It's a wide street. But where is it going? He said it's not leading to heaven, it's leading to destruction. And it's a, it's, a, it's a populated highway. And many there be which go in thereat. And then he said, but straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. And few there be that find it. See, God has a path. And the Bible says that in John chapter 14, he was talking to his disciples, said, I'm going, don't, don't be uh, troubled, don't be afraid, I'm going to my father's house and I'm going to prepare a place, I'm coming back. And then he told them, he said, and I'm, I, you know where I'm going? And he said, and the way, you know it, you know the way. And Thomas, he said, Lord, 
We know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? We don't know the way. Then Jesus gave the, the teacher's book answer. Have you ever seen the teacher's book in math? It's got the answers in red. It's got like the, you know, all the kids don't have the answers, right? But the teacher's book does. Jesus said, I am the way. He said, I am the way. It's not a pathway, but it's who's in your heart. It's like, you see, if you ever use a GPS, a GPS knows where you're going, right? But the GPS also knows where you are. You see, for a GPS to know where you're going, the GPS has to locate your present location. And my iPhone, it's like this little orb. I'm not round, but it's like, wom, wom. it looks like this little like Pac-Man pellet. That's what you are. And it knows where you're starting, so it can give you some options to get to where you're going. And I, look, I use it all the time. I love the maps feature on the iPhone. So, but there's a path of life. In Psalm 16, and, and uh, the, this is a messianic psalm, so it was dealing with Jesus. Psalm 16, verse 10 and 11. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. And this is about the prophecy of Jesus going to hell. When Jesus died on the cross and bore our sins, where did he go? To hell. Where do you die? Where do you go when you die in sin? To hell. And the Bible says, For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thy, thine holy one to see corruption. He wasn't there. His body didn't corrupt. He was only in hell for three days and three nights. His body was in the tomb. His soul and his spirit were in hell. But then he said in verse 11, after three days and three nights, thou wilt show me the path of life. So Jesus was going to come out of hell. He was going to lead captivity captive. And then he said, in thy presence is fullness of joy. That talks about when the Messiah came up out of hell and got back into heaven. And then it says, he sat down at the right hand of God the Father. Psalm 16 talks about this. At thy right hand... There are pleasures evermore. See, that's where Jesus' ultimate destination was. And, you know, whatever we're going to face down here, we're on a pathway to go somewhere. The blessed person is on a pathway to God. That is your ultimate destination. I remember when I was, uh, I was in San Diego and I went into this, I got on a bus and I was lost, right? And this lady saw me and she said something like, are you lost? And I said something like, no, no, I'm not. I was lost. I mean, I was lost. And I was in a rough neighborhood. I did not know where the bus was taking me. I was just, you know, tootling around in San Diego. But, you know, as a Christian, I know where I came from. I know where I am. I know my location. But here's one thing. Christians, not, not church, not going to church. Christians know where they're going. I know where I'm going. Amen. And it feels good. There's a song I was listening to. It said, uh, Jesus went away to build our mansions, but he's coming back one day to take us to that place with glory on his face. We'll be in a land where skies are never gray. So it's talking about John chapter 14. Jesus is going away and it's talking about, they used to sing it in the quartet. I wasn't in the quartet. You know that, right? But looking on the brighter side. And you know, that's exactly, and I was, I was just, I was there, I played it over and over. It's kind of like country, but I was just raising my hands and I was like, man, I remember the quartet singing that so many years ago when I was a young Christian, probably in the 90s. But man, I'm still serving God 20 years later and I'm gonna still raise these hands 20 years later if I'm down here and 40 years later, why? Because that is the ultimate destination of 
the Christian. The path of the Christians leads to life eternal in Jesus Christ. Amen. Nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Man, you, I think I get more than one verse, right? So what is the seat of the scornful? Go to any comment section, right? Go to, you know, people gang pile on people that they disagree with, right? It means to mock someone, to scoff someone. Well, they don't sit there. I remember when someone found out I went to church in, in a construction environment and they said, uh, oh, a church boy, huh? And I said, yes. And he said something like, oh, that's okay. You know, but with a smartphone, anyone nowadays, they can be a critic and a prophet to the whole wide world, right? You got that reach with that smartphone. You can go all over the place. But you know, if someone's gang piling on someone, I don't even care if it's something I might agree with. You know, it might be some political point or but it's really insensitive to gang pile on someone who's not there. You know, even, even if you agree with, you know, what the person is saying, it's real easy for everybody to mock someone who's not standing there, even politically. Say, preacher, well, won't you take a stand for righteousness? It's not about righteousness. But you know that when I was an enemy, Jesus didn't gang pile on me. Jesus loved me. The Bible says... You see, with our enemies, we have, to, we have to treat them as an opportunity to show the love of Christ. The Bible says, when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. And then in Romans chapter 5, it continues, it says, But God commended his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When I had nothing to offer, when I deserved the the scorn and the and the and the bad comments jesus could have rightfully said it what did he do he loved me and he died for me he didn't just you know talk bad about me and you know brethren there's people that you know they're doing things that aren't right but i'm not here to be in the seat of the scornful man i'm trying to give someone a a helping hand up you know i want to be like that good samaritan that pours in oil and wine and and sets that person on you know i don't have a beast but i have a car give him a ride somewhere be a blessing to him why because that's what christians do i tell my daughter i said what are three things you can do to your enemies and we train i train her on the way to school we were talking about this she goes you know we've done this over and over she goes bless them Pray for them. Do good to them. Isn't that what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 44? Don't scoff or mock them. I'm not going to be around those people. I want to be a blessing. Why? Because I am a blessing. I'm blessed and I want to be a blessing. That's why Christians bless even our enemies. Amen. So, boy, seven minutes. We could do it. We could do it. Okay, that's their dedication. So Christians are by nature... They're thinkers. They're dedicated. But also, verse 2, what does the righteous person do? Well, the righteous person does do some things. The Bible says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. The blessed person is delighted with the word of God. Now, think about it. What makes you excited? Is it like video games or is it like a certain hobby? Man, it makes you excited. You can lose track of time. You wake up, it's 2 a.m. Well, if it makes you excited, you don't have to be begged to do it, right? You just like it. 
It's like, oh, yeah, I read my Bible for 10 seconds, but man, I can do this thing for three hours. They call it binge watching. That's never healthy. You don't go to the doctor. I binge. If you binge anything, the doctor's going to be like, you need to probably stop that binging, right? But when someone at Chick-fil-A, when, when, when God's word makes you excited, man, when you've got the right heart then. I remember going to Chick-fil-A, and it's so cool that when you ask for, like, can I have a, you know, another Chick-fil-A sauce, right, if there's not a national shortage, and they give it to you, and you, you as a Christian, you go, thanks, and they say, my pleasure. I mean, I know other people have borrowed that, but Chick-fil-A started that, and I remember hearing that for the first time going, your pleasure, but you're serving me, but you know what, if it's your pleasure, and your delight to have God's word in you, man, you're going to actually reap a lot more from it. Amen. If a person delights in something, and the word delight means to, uh, 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 to, to enjoy it, but the Bible says he meditates. The word from the Hebrew means to murmur. So he's like, it's coming through. You know, it's like if your kids are around the wrong person, they're going to begin to talk like the wrong things. Well, if they're around the right person and the Holy Ghost, they're going to be coming. It's going to be coming out of their mouth, the word of God. And I've talked to some people and men, they're just like a talking Bible. Now, I don't mean that they like, you know, recite the whole Bible, but their speech is so littered with the Bible. And I know what the Bible says, so I can hear it. I'm like, wow, these people are meditating on the word of God. Because it just comes out when they speak about the word of God. They are delighting in God's word. So, you know, uh, the Bible says in, or in Eastern meditation, you know, there's some, there's some things that they do. When they meditate, you know that they actually, I don't recommend this, they clear their mind. They empty their mind. Have you ever heard that? Empty your mind. Clear your mind. That's not, that's not the Bible, Okay. You don't want to do that. You empty your mind to become one with the universe, you're in trouble, okay? That's not biblical meditation, okay? Biblical meditation is to fill your mind with God's word. That's what it is, okay? But in this empty, you know, when you empty, we say, oh, preacher, why are you mock? I'm not mocking, okay? But I'm just saying it's bad advice, okay? Because the Bible says in Matthew chapter 12, verses 43, 44, 45, when an unclean spirit's gone out of a man, because... Evil spirits don't inhabit houses. I don't care what movies you see. They don't live in sheetrock. It's like, now if someone's come out of a restroom, you can probably think there's an evil spirit in there, okay? It's like, whoa! It's an evil spirit, right? But that's not, okay? They don't inhabit houses or restrooms, even though it might seem that. Can I edit that out? No. But it said when an unclean spirit has gone out of a man, they, they inhabit people, like that demoniac of Gadara. He walketh through dry places, seeking rest, and findeth none. And then he saith, I will return into my house. That's the person, is the house. From whence I came out. And when he is come, he findeth it empty. Oh, Eastern meditation, empty your mind. Well, it doesn't have any God. It's swept and garnished, so it's nice and clean. Empty. And the Bible said, He goeth and taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there. Woo! Man, I don't want to be empty. I want to be full of God's word. I want to be like Reverend Rabbit. You know what Reverend Rabbit 
said before he was going to bless his meal? He said, let us pray. Right? Let us. Well, Hebrews, if you're going to start a diet, you start a diet with lettuce. That's what Reverend Love said, right? (laughs) Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Verse 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. And verse 24, let us. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Let's have some lettuce, like Reverend Rabbit. So, verse 3, verse 4, verse 5, verse 6. Well, boy, I'm, I'm running out of time, but I think that we can get there pretty quick. The destination. The destination. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. And then he said, without me, you can't do anything. But that tree, we're going to be solid because, and the fruit that's going to come out, the Bible said the fruit of the Spirit that it comes out of love, joy, peace, and there's, there's six of them after that. The Bible says that when Jesus even comes to our life, he's looking for fruit. Remember when he came to look on that fig tree, he was hungry, and he came to look in the Gospels, and there was no fruit. And he, he cursed the fig tree and dried up from the roots. Well, preacher, uh, it wasn't the time for the fig's fruit, I know, but God's looking for fruit in us there's a season of fruitfulness that the world might not have but god can give us fruit in the dry season of this life god can bring it forth and he's coming looking for it that's what god wants we have an invisible source of power and the bible says whatsoever he doeth shall prosper you know what man i'm, I'm halfway through it'd be it'd be unfortunate to get because i want to get into Joseph. You know that uh, we're going to start that next uh, Bible study. 